Welcome. Welcome to the weekend. Everybody up. This is Herded Here with Swanee on 740 The Fan. You'll get the insight and latest information on North Dakota State football. From the tailgate lot to the football field, our countdown is on. Here's your host of Heard It Here, Josh Swanson. Yeah, I got those bi-week blues. There's no bison game today. I don't know what I'm going to do, blues. Sit around the house with a honeydew list from my wife because I ain't tailgating today. Kind of blues. First time a, a harmonica was ever played on the fan, baby. I got the blues. Yeah, why do we have a bye week in week two blues? Because I don't know what I'm going to do. This is Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM, the fan and 107.3 FM. I am Josh Swanson. You could call me Swanee, and I am bummed out, friends. I am bummed out, and I'm not bummed. Because of the Bison's huge opening weekend victory over Cal Poly, I'm bummed because it's Saturday morning. I'm sitting here in studio, and we don't have a game to talk about because there's a bye week. You're not in line for tailgating because it's a bye week. You're sitting around the house with a honey-do list. Mow the lawn. Clean the garage. Fix the shelves. Take the dogs. For a walk, I can, I can, Chase, I can feel my wife, her eyes rolling. I can feel, whenever, whenever I say something like this, I know that her eyes are rolling and I'm getting the laser beams right in my eyes saying, I can't believe you're talking about that. And honey, do less, Josh, Swan, Swanee, you don't do a thing is what my wife would say. And she's probably half right or completely right. But we're on a bye week, North Dakota State coming off a 49 to three win over Cal Poly at the Fargo Dome last Saturday, and friends, you know, I saw some real interesting things at tailgating, so I want to open with that. I'm I'm walking around tailgating after the show last Saturday, and thank you, by the way, to all of you who stopped me at tailgating and said, Swan, Swan baby, we heard the show. We loved it. That was awesome. The content, Darius Shepard, Christian Dudzik. Nolan P. Schmidt, fantastic. We had a good time last week, and uh, we're back again. I did not get fired yet, anyway, after playing a harmonica and playing it rather poorly on the air. We'll see if I'm around next week, but I'm out at tailgating, and the crowd was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. You couldn't have picked a better day to be in the West Lots of the Fargo Dome. The sun was shining. The grills were going. The music was absolutely bumping. Celine Brothers from Holly, they had the Island Time Fun Band out at their tailgater, and I was trying not to drown them out with Thunderstruck and Journey and Bon Jovi across the way at tailgating at Six Flags. But I, I saw something I never thought my eyes would see at a North Dakota State opening tailgater. I am walking through the lots. And my eyes see a South Dakota State Jackrabbit logo. A Jackrabbit logo 
a guy wearing an SDSU hat at NDSU tailgating. Well, South Dakota State was playing down at Iowa State, a game that was canceled because of the weather. And there's this Jackrabbits fella walking through tailgating. And much to my chagrin and dismay, right next to that clown was a fan wearing University of South Dakota gear at a SDS, or excuse me, at a North Dakota State tailgater right next to his Jackrabbit buddy. But that's on me, folks. That's my fault. See, my, my brother in laws, one of my brother in laws, Jeff, played football at South Dakota State. He was in Fargo. It was my father-in-law's 60th birthday, and we were celebrating out at the North Dakota State tailgater. I, I was showing them how it's done. I feel incumbent. I feel it is incumbent upon me as a bison, as someone who knows how to tailgate, because if you've been down to Brookings when North Dakota State has played them on a game day, those lots outside of Dykehouse Stadium, formerly known as Coughlin Crumlin Alumni Memorial Stadium, see, they don't know how to tailgate. It's a pretty sad state of affairs in, in Brookings because they don't have what we got in Fargo. When North Dakota State goes down there, we fill up, I would say, 80% of their lot. So I said, you know what, guys? You know what, Jackrabbit Jeff? You know what, Yote Joe, Coyote Joe, my other brother-in-law who ran track for the Coyotes? Jeff played defensive back for the Jackrabbits. I said, I will show you guys. I will be benevolent. I will be righteous, and I will show you the promised land of North Dakota State tailgating. Can I get an amen from the congregation? Amen, Brother Swan. So we had them out there, and and all kidding aside, we had a really, really good time. It doesn't get much better than that, and that's why I'm so bummed out this morning that we're not tailgating today. We don't even have a bison away game to watch. Six Flags isn't pulling into Chubb's Pub. For a tailgater, none of the establishments in Fargo will have the Bison game on. And we got to wait. It's it's one big, we get all excited. We get so amped up for the season opener. And we see the Bison rushing game. We see Bruce Anderson rushing for a career high 185 yards and two touchdowns, including his big 86-yarder. We see Lance Dunn, who looked like the Lance Dunn of midseason form last year before a hip injury against Western Illinois. We see him with a career-high three rushing touchdowns in the first half. And we were telling you last week, if you've been listening to your friend Swata here, last week on this show, if you listen to my podcast at bisonillustrated.com, you would have heard all summer me and Nolan Schmidt saying, watch Lance Dunn, because that guy's going to be back, and he's going to be back with vengeance, with vengeance, and he was. He looked fantastic. The the touchdown run he had in the first half where he kept his feet going by the line of scrimmage and busted through the line with some tackles and punched the B button, accelerator to the floor. There goes Lance Dunn, touchdown, buys, and that was so fun to watch, and I feel so happy for that young man to come back from an injury like that to play so well on Saturday afternoon. Again, he tied a career high with three rushing touchdowns. And the Rams, the offensive line, those are my kind of guys. I love the Rams. I absolutely love the North Dakota State offensive line during games. I will sit and I'll watch those guys. My eyes 
it's easy to watch whoever has the ball. And that's what most fans do every play. Where's the ball going? Quarterback gets it. Is he dropping back to pass? And I'll give you a hint, folks. All you football minds watching, here's a little key you can tell nine times out of ten whether a play is going to be a run or a pass. And this comes from the Maddox Bobcats nine-man football glory playbook from back in the day. If you're watching those offensive linemen and they're taking one step back and popping those arms forward, if they're stepping back, they're probably pass blocking. Now, it could be a screen. It could be a draw. But most times, if they're stepping back like that, it's a pass. Now, on the other hand, if you watch those big road graders up front and they're paving the road and shooting forward, well, they're probably run blocking. So right there is your Swanee key to diagnosing the play. And those, those big boys up front, Connor Riley, the offensive line coach North Dakota State, we're going to visit with him later this morning and talk to him about the Rams' performance. But what can you say about Dylan Radens, left tackle, another guy coming back from injury? Boy, how good did he look on that left side with Colin Connor. Tanner Volson at center from Belfour, the pride of Belfour, North Dakota, the Volson boys. Tanner Volson named Missouri Valley Football Conference Offensive Lineman of the Week. Luke Bacon, another guy from Central North Dakota, Towner, Granville, Upham at right guard, and Zach Johnson at right tackle. And we rotated a lot of guys, 13 guys. 13 guys we played at offensive line at the offensive line spot on Saturday. And these numbers, let me read this to you. Seven ball carriers totaled 458 yards and seven touchdowns on the ground. North Dakota State ran the ball 45 times, averaging 10.2 yards per carry. And we told you that. Last week during the prediction segment, Chase Miller and I said NDSU is going to run the ball. They're going to beat Cal Poly all over the place. Nolan Schmidt, when he was on last week, we told you Cal Poly's front seven were overmatched. I said North Dakota State is going to have a field day. And what makes those numbers all the more impressive, Cal Poly knew North Dakota State was going to run the ball. They knew it was going to number eight, Bruce Anderson. Or number 10, Lance Dunn, or to Ty Brooks, or to Cofield, or Purifoy. And those guys cranked out 10.2 yards per carry. And we're going to talk to Connor Riley about that. One of the things, I got a question earlier this week, and I want to address this topic right away. North Dakota State quarterback Easton Stick was four for nine. So, Swanee, is that, are you concerned about? The Bison passing attack? No. Vehemently no. Heck no. Objection, Your Honor. I object. I'm not concerned about the passing game because we didn't need to throw the ball. And four for nine? Go back and watch those throws. Easton looked sharp. First drive of the game, Lance Dunn had a nice little swing pass coming out of the backfield. Bounced right off his hands. He was taking his eyes and looking downfield and had Dunn corralled that thing. He might have been off to the races. Go back and look at it. He had blockers and all kinds of greens set up in front of him, and he is one heck of an explosive playmaker. He hauls that in. We might be talking about the first time Lance touched the ball coming out of the backfield all season. Touchdown, Bison. Another pass later in the first half. A little out route to Dallas Freeman, a 
boy, Easton tattooed it. And Freeman made one fantastic catch on the sideline, but barely was out of bounds. They went to instant replay, and he almost got that foot down. You you include those two, while all of a sudden our guy Easton Stick is six for nine. So I am not concerned one iota about NDSU's passing attack. We didn't need to throw the football. We did not need to throw the football. When you're, it's not rocket science. My my wife is a physicist. She's 10 times smarter and uh, way more prettier than I am. I out, I outkicked my coverage. I'm not embarrassed to say that. But it doesn't take a rocket scientist or physicist to tell you if you're running the ball for 10.2 yards per carry, you don't need to pass the ball. Keep that on the ground. Keep chewing up the clock. Keep getting first down seven rushing touchdowns for the Bison. So I'm not worried about NDSU's passing attack. You shouldn't be worried about NDSU's passing attack. And the Bison will be just fine. The shepherd of the Rams. Do Rams even have a shepherd? I don't know. Sheep have a shepherd. But what do you call the leader of a bunch of Rams? Connor Riley is offensive line coach from North Dakota State. He has a no-nonsense approach. And if you've seen Connor on highlight videos or hype reels, he's intensity, man. He he brings it. He gets after those big guys. He's coaching the O-line up. And look at how good NDSU's offensive line has been the last five, six, seven years since Connor Riley's been here. But it goes back before that, back to the days of Bruce Salm and long before that, those Rams have been paving the road. And here's here's a quick short story showing that uh, the world is indeed a small place. Connor's dad is a guy named Tom Riley. Now, Tom Riley is the head public defender lawyer in Douglas County, Nebraska, where Omaha is. He taught me in law school. I had Connor's dad as my professor in defense of criminal cases. And you know, you know I got the highest grade in that class. I'm no Mark Freezer, Bruce Quick, but I dominated that class. And it's not because, it's because much like North Dakota State's offensive line, I just got the job done, baby. Just win. I'd like to thank our sponsors on Heard It Here with Swanee, Seaberg Power Sports, Peterman Seas of Holly, Yonke Insurance, Welton's Tire Service, Altendorf Trucking, Chris Heisey, American Family Insurance Agent, Valley Tire, Legacy Wealth Management, and TRS Industries. We got Connor Riley coming up right here on Heard It Here with Swanee. Every week, Swanee goes one-on-one with NDSU's Playmakers, the guys who make it happen for the Bison and continue the program's tradition and excellence. These guys are the strength of the herd. Offensive line coach Connor Riley with us on Heard It Here with Swanee. Coach, you had to have been really pleased with the performance of the Rams on Saturday. Saturday, you guys came out, uh, averaged over 10 yards per rushing attempt. Uh, What were your takeaways after watching the film? Well, the the nicest thing about it was we controlled the controllables. And what we talk about is the have-tos. What do we have to do in order to be successful? And when we sit down and discuss that, it's all about the things that we control. Um, and one of the biggest ones was discipline. And we had uh, very few mental errors. We did have the one penalty. 
uh, pre-snap, which was a little disappointing. Zach just uh, um, trying to get a, a little bit of a head start in, in some pass protection, uh, not lining up on the ball. But minimizing those things in the first game are always have-tos. And then we just talked about running our feet and finishing. And that's one of the things I was probably most pleased with was that we were finishing blocks, we were staying on blocks. We know that we have a special group in that backfield. And if we can continue to stay on and run our feet, they're going to have the ability to run through tackles. They're going to have the ability to make people miss, run people over. And, and subsequently, those are the things that happened uh, this past Saturday afternoon. Did you guys know going into a game against Cal Poly, who's a little bit smaller up front, did you feel like you'd have success running the ball and be able to run the ball as well as we did on Saturday? Well, we knew that we needed to run the football just based on the style of offense that they play. They're, they're very similar. They, they want to stop the run. Um, they want to establish the run. They want to shorten the game. And those are things that are very consistent with the things that we need to do. So we knew that we, we had a necessity to do that uh, in order for our team to be successful. But, you know, our guys looked on the depth chart and they had a little bit of some younger guys up front. And we were hopeful if we could be efficient, stay in front of the chains, stay on the football field, that we're going to have an opportunity to wear them down in the second half. And that was kind of the goal going into it. Um, and, and I do believe that we were able to take advantage of a little bit of their youth uh, in our experience um, going into uh, going uh, later into that game. One of the things from a fan, you know, fan's perspective, we see the 45 rushing attempts over 10 yards per carry those seven touchdowns what we don't see is what you guys are looking at in the film room as far as technique and guys taking care of their assignment every play is that something as a coaching staff you guys are pleased with the offensive line's performance in the film room did they grade out pretty well we did grade out relatively well considering um some of the unknowns this is not an opponent that we've played uh, you know, what were their adjustments going to be? There was one thing that they did do um, up front that, that we didn't handle extremely well as an offensive line. I didn't handle very well as a coach. Um, and those are things that we need to continue to improve upon moving forward. But from a technique standpoint, first game of the year, yeah, I was pleased. And, and the thing that I think myself and the rest of the people in that room, meaning the old line room, are so excited about is that we have such an expectation of improvement from, you know, this week till, you know, a, a week from now when we're uh, playing uh, playing North Alabama. So just wanting to see that continual improvement, those continual steps is, is I think, is kind of what everybody's pretty excited about. With so much depth on the offensive line, trying to find, you know, spaces for everyone to play, you guys were able to get, what, 12 or 13 guys in there to play Saturday. That had to have been pretty, pretty good feeling for you guys as a coaching staff to get that many guys stamps. Yeah, it was uh, um, really exciting. We got uh, a few of the younger guys in who, who had been a little bit closer of a game there towards, uh, towards the end, may not have had an opportunity to play. But, yeah, it was, it was predetermined that we had X amount of number of guys who we were planning to put into that football game. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, number one, because they deserve it, but also want to get a very good evaluation of where they're at. We know that we're not going to be able to get through the grind of the Missouri Valley Football Conference with, with just five guys. And, um, you know, we did we, in, the, in the first quarter, in the second quarter, we did lose uh, um, a guy who started quite a few football games for us. And we're obviously hopeful to get him back, but I don't feel like we really missed a beat when you 
when you have your most experienced offensive lineman uh, uh, go down early in the game, um, it, it does show that we do have a little bit of depth. Is that Colin Connor? Is he kind of a day-to-day, week-to-week thing for you guys right now? Yeah, he is, and, and he's pretty fortunate. We're pretty fortunate based on um, when our bye week is being this week and, and how quickly it is that I'd have every anticipation that he will be um, back next Saturday. And, uh, you know, he told me right after the game, he says, I will be ready to go by the next game. And, and uh, um, yeah, we, we just got to be very guarded and very smart. And fortunately, he's a guy who's, you know, started 30-plus games for us. So, um, you know, he's been through the fire and, and maybe uh, – um, giving him a little bit of time off this week will do him some good coming out of camp. Talk, talking about a guy coming off of a, a season in season-ending injury last year, Dylan Radens. Uh, well, what do you think about his performance on uh, Saturday, being back in his first game action after going down in the opener last year? Well, I know it was a relatively emotional day for Dylan. You know, um, obviously, how his season ended last year is is not what anybody would have anticipated, including himself. And he's been extremely motivated uh, this these past 12 months to get back and, and to, to be even better. And, and one of the things about this, this injury is I think it really narrowed his focus in saying, gosh, you know, I can't take this game for granted because he does have an opportunity to be a special player. So I was very pleased with him on the first day. He recognized... Um, a lot of areas that he can continue to improve upon, and I know he will. You know, it's still a, a young football player who's basically played um, five quarters of football for NDSU, and, and I, I really believe that uh, the sky's the limit for him. Coach Connor Riley, offensive line coach for North Dakota State, here with us on Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM and 107.3 FM. Coach, how do you guys approach the bye week? You have the, the entire fall camp, and then you have the one game, and then you have another week off. What kind of challenges does that present to you guys as a coaching staff getting ready for North Alabama in a couple weeks? Well, you never want to look ahead too much, but the the fact that you have to go in and play 10 straight games is always a challenge, especially in um, – a very difficult conference that we play in, a very physical conference that we play in, but those are things that are out of our control. So our biggest goal this this week is obviously to continue to prepare, but we've also got to continue to develop. And that's the one nice thing is you look back and we were able to get some young guys uh, in a live game setting and now you really get a good evaluation of where they truly are and where we need to continue to improve, where there might be some deficiencies, where we may need to aim, um, you know, some, some more focused targeting as far as uh, uh, putting together plans for their continued development. So, so that's one of the benefits, and that's going to be the biggest thing that, that we've got to accomplish um, this bye week is continuing to improve and continuing to increase the depth because we don't have that bye week and you know, late September, early October, where, hey, you're going to have that opportunity to get guys healthy. So we just need to continue to uh, um, bring along a lot of the younger guys and a lot of the depth. One last question for you here, Coach. We appreciate your time today on Heard It Here with Swanee. One of the points of pride for Bison fans, especially North Dakota, talk about developing players. You guys have struck the jackpot getting kids from North Dakota, whether it's the Volson boys from Belfer, uh, Jack Plankers from Kidred, Landon Leckard out from a uh, beach in the western part of the state. What is it about North Dakota kids and kids from the upper Midwest where you guys are able to turn them into such fantastic offensive linemen? 
Well, you know, it's, I don't know that we turn them into it. I think it's, number one, they have a desire to be, be great. Uh, they're all hardworking kids. You know, it's um, Tanner Volson was named um, Missouri Valley Conference Player of the, uh, of the Week again this past week. And you just look at his development and his toughness and what he's had to overcome. I think it's it's mirrors the uh, the culture of the people in the state of North Dakota who are uh, um, tough people, um, hardworking people. Uh, you know, offensive linemen are are kind of a little bit of the caregivers of you, if you will, um, where they take care of other people, and that's that's kind of the heart of uh, um, the the people of this great state is is you know they take care of one another, um, and, uh, and 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 they're hardworking tough tough individuals so uh you know we try to mirror our football team after that um that same type of culture and uh i think there's uh um i'm biased but there's no better representation of that than than the offensive line that that's an impressive interview for a lot of reasons and let me tell you why that coaching staff is not letting their guys sit around the fargo dome and be complacent after absolutely crushing cal poly 49 to 3. You heard Coach Riley talk about things that the offensive line needs to work on. What do you have to work on after you rush for 450 plus yards, seven touchdowns, and average over 10 yards per carry? That is why North Dakota State has won seven straight Missouri Valley Football Conference championships. That is why North Dakota State has won six out of the last seven FCS national championships. That is why North Dakota State is the number one ranked team in the country and why the Frisco train is on the tracks and ready to rock and roll again in 2018. Talking about one penalty where an offensive lineman was out of formation. I mean, to drill down on the particulars and tell their guys, we need to do better, we need to play a better football game, and that's a common theme. You heard that if you watch the post-game press conference after the game. Bruce Anderson, who set a career-high rushing yards number with 185 yards, was the Missouri Valley Football Conference Offensive Player of the Week. Bruce says, we didn't didn't play a perfect game. We strive for perfection every time. That just blows my mind, friends. And that is why North Dakota State is so darn good. But right after a quick word from our sponsors, Nolan Schmidt, the editor-in-chief of Bison Illustrated, will break some big news about your favorite local magazine. That's right. We got breaking news. Heard it here with Swanee. Breaking news alert coming to you right here on 740 AM, The Fan and 107.3 FM. News update. As old as paper and ink, Nolan Schmidt brings his new school approach to Bison Illustrated as its editor-in-chief and joins Swanee to go over the big headlines for this week's matchup. The editor-in-chief, my podcast partner over at BisonIllustrated.com, Nolan P. Schmidt is with us. Before we're going to get to him, we're going to thank our sponsors that make this show possible. Seaberg Power Sports, Peterman Seeds of Holly, Yonkey Insurance, Welton's Tire Service, Altendorf Trucking, Chris Heisey, American Family Insurance Agent, Valley Tire, Legacy Wealth Management, TRS Industries, and our good friends over at Essentia Health. And boy, Essentia Health, I think I, I may have forgot you guys on my last read on my 
I got terrible handwriting. My notes are very meticulous and detailed. Nolan, as you know from the podcast, but I got a, just a jumble of words. This is this is where the the real magic happens, is what you're saying. It's I mean, studio. This is, this is this is big time. I feel I feel famous. I feel famous sitting right here. You know, we're not doing it in the undisclosed location, so it feels Downtown like a pretty, pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah. We also don't have where we do our podcast a, a tap list or a tap room, which few Correct. folks know about in, in the spotlight headquarters. But Nolan, we asked the Swan Committee, the web page for her to hear on 740thefan.com/slash/podcast/slash. Heard it here with Swanee. Our question this week was, what impressed you most from North Dakota State's 49-3 demolition over Cal Poly at the Fargo Dome? And I'll throw the same to you. What impressed you most about the Bison win? Uh, I, th- I think it's probably the the dominance at the both lines of scrimmage. I mean, the offensive line specifically. I mean, just peeling back the stats a little bit more. I mean, Cal Poly ran 52 running plays compared to, I think, 11 passing plays. And, I mean, they only accumulated 82 yards or something like that. I think it was, you know, they netted a, over 100, but then they lost a total of 71 yards or something like that. So they ended up, ended the game with 82 yards or 1.6 yards per rush. That is unbelievable, Swanee, in a Cal Poly offense that obviously relies on the big play, relies on getting into third and short like we heard Chris Kleiman say going into that week. But for me, that's easily the most important and obviously the dominance on the other end where – NDSU has 10 yards a carry, and Bruce Anderson himself has almost 17 yards per carry. I think I broke my shoulder earlier because I was reaching so far back to to give us a pat on the back. (laughs) For the last few weeks, we've been talking about that on our podcast. We talked about it on the show last Saturday morning that the Bison front seven on defense, that the offensive line, the Rams, we just had Coach Riley on talking about their performance, that they'd be absolutely dominant, and the, the numbers don't lie. Cal Poly rushed the ball. For 82 yards on 52 carries, 1.6 yards per carry, mm-hmm. and that's what they do best. That's that's their bread and butter. And Joe, Joe Prothrow, an All-American running back for them, 14 rushes for only 57 yards. I was just going to say, Joe Prothrow, before he got you know the 2016, he obviously was hurt last year, 2017. I think he rushed for almost 1,400 yards and had 14 touchdowns or something like that. I mean, this is an incredible buys in front seven. I don't think we're really going to – you know, experience it until we get into Valley play. But, I mean, that is just an absolutely dominant run defense. The only real injury news, and I don't even know if we want to call it injury news, Colin Connor, one of our offensive linemen, tweaks an ankle. But it sounds like he'll be ready to go for the North Alabama game next weekend. Yeah, and I think, you know, maybe that's the positives of having this bye week in week number two. Obviously, Chris Kleiman doesn't like it because they have to go out and play 10 games in a row, including that full Valley gauntlet. But, yeah, I, th- I believe the news is is, is Colin Connor is going to be ready for that North Alabama game. But think about this, Swanee. Even if Colin Connor isn't ready, and Colin Connor is a heck of an offensive lineman, senior, just a big body, but NDSU has the guy to replace him. They have guys to replace him in Cordell Volson. I mean, it's just they, they have the guys to take the place if Connor is either limited or not playing in that North Alabama game too. One of the things that Coach Riley said, North Dakota State played – 13 guys at the offensive line Jeez. on Saturday. To have that kind of depth where you hope that Colin Connor is ready to go, but if that ankle is still bothering him, we'll we'll have someone to plug in next man up. We do know that it was not a high ankle sprain. Right. And, and those are the ones that you worry about that, you know, a couple of years ago, Bruce Anderson, high ankle sprain bothered him all year. That's not the case here. And you, you mentioned Valley, Nolan, the Missouri Valley. 
It was a not-so-good weekend for the Missouri Valley with Western Illinois losing at Montana State. Northern Iowa went out to Montana. Bobby Hawks' first appearance as their head coach after leaving Montana and leading them to some national championships years ago. He's back. They jumped out to a 26-0 or 23-0 lead over Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa made a push in the second half. Couldn't quite finish the rally. They lost to Montana. In Youngstown State, losing to Pioneer League non-scholarship mm-hmm. Butler. You know, the, the loss by Western Illinois Montana State and the loss by Northern Iowa Montana, I'm not real worried about that. Both those places are tough to play. Montana in that opener, new head coach, tough environment. It is what it is. But the one that really jumped out to me, Youngstown State losing on a last-second play to Butler. Yeah, and I mean, you know, to to give the – people listening a little bit of a clue you know the pioneer league is a non-scholarship league i mean i don't know if anybody knows that fully but i mean we're, we're familiar with pioneer league san diego the past few years but it's a non-scholarship league ndsu is obviously going to see him at target field next year but that is an unbelievable upset i mean the valley in general swanee just really did not impress me i think the one team that you can definitively say that was extremely impressive was ndsu and south dakota and south dakota still lost to kansas state you know mind you they put in a fine performance but even the teams that won, you know, Indiana State and Illinois State, they throttled NAIA teams. What is, what's impressive about beating an NAIA team? It, it, there's really nothing there. So, I mean, when you look at it, when you break it down, the Valley had a really, really bad week outside of a fine performance in Manhattan, Kansas by South Dakota, and obviously NDSU's performance at Cal Poly. I watched that game Saturday night, and South Dakota State, they had a, a weather cancellation at Iowa State, but the Coyotes yeah. were down in Manhattan – that's a tough place to play. That's a tough place to win football games if you're a Big 12 team. The Coyotes jumped out to a 24-12 halftime lead. That was the same score going into the fourth quarter. And K-State started to wear them down. They ultimately took the lead 27-24. K-State was driving to put that game away late with under three minutes. They fumbled the ball. South Dakota recovered at about their own 18-yard line, drove the length of the field, had a big pass interference call on K-State to get them down to about the 31-32 yard line with seven seconds left. Nielsen, Coach Nielsen down there, sends out their offense as opposed to their field goal unit. They get a false start penalty, which pushes them back five, and their kicker goes out to try about a 47-yarder. The kick goes off the crossbar. Had they had those five yards, that kick is good, and they're going to overtime. And you had talked about this guy all offseason. Austin Simner, I think is his Mm -hmm. name, the quarterback down in South Dakota. Threw the ball 56 times. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, we're used to seeing that from South Dakota because we're used to seeing Chris Strebler throw it around 60 times. So, I mean, this guy sat behind Chris Strebler, and I forgot to mention that Southern Illinois beat Murray State, which is a fine win, and then Missouri State lost an FBS game to Oklahoma State, I believe. But, I mean, when you think of South Dakota, outside NDSU was really the only impressive performance. And I think, you know, we talked about it all summer, Swanee, is that South Dakota is one of these teams that people have really slept on, I think, in the Valley. But I think you're, I think you're going to see as the season goes on. Obviously, NDSU sees them in Vermilion this year. I mean, they're going to be a tough out. I mean, they're not going to be an easy layover team just because Chris Trevler's gone. I mean, there's more to that team than Chris Trevler. They had athletes. That Nolan, that's the one thing that jumped out to me watching their quarterback. He's a playmaker. They've got athletes on both sides of the ball, and, and I agree. I, I think South Dakota is going to be a lot better than people are giving them credit for. A big game this weekend in Brookings. Now we're not, we're not pressing the red panic button yet on the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Of no, course, not at all. North Dakota State demolishes Big Sky Full Cal Poly, and that's what 
really we all care about. But there's a big game down in Brookings with Montana State going to play the Jackrabbits tonight. Mm-hmm. Tonight. And if, if Montana State beats the Jacks, you are going to see a lot of headlines from Hero Sports, from Craig Haley at Stats FCS, from Harrisonburg, from all the FCS hotbeds at. The headline is going to be Valley Football Conference down. There's That's a big football game that the Jack, and I don't, Man, I don't want to cheer for the Jackrabbits. I feel I feel dirty. I feel like I need to shower. It it makes me revolted to think that this tonight I got to probably cheer for the Jackrabbits to beat Montana State for the health of the Missouri Valley Football Conference because come selection Sunday in November that'll be a big win for the Valley. It'll certainly be interesting to see South Dakota State come out especially after what playing 2 minutes against Iowa State and then the game being called off. I'm really interested to see kind of, you know, they pretty much had a bye week. I mean, they've had almost a full off season. Then you take pretty much a bye week against Iowa State. And they have Montana State, who beat Western Illinois, who, you know, for all intents and purposes is going to be somewhat of a better team compared to last year. I mean, Montana has, Montana State has the potential to go 2-0 and against the Valley this season. I mean, for a team like Montana State, especially beating South Dakota State, that's a huge win in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, I think South Dakota State's going to win this game, Swanee. And like you, I'm not looking to, you know, cheer for the Jackrabbits or do anything of that sort. It's it's almost heresy in my view. But, you know, I, I think that you're going to see South Dakota State come out strong. They have fresh legs. You can't make the excuse that the team is going to be tired after an FBS game because they didn't play it. One of the things that you worry about as a head coach when a team has played a game like Montana State and, and John Stigemeyer with the juice, mm-hmm. cutting them loose with the juice with Stig's guys, there's a lot of mental errors that most teams make or many teams make that first game. And when you're playing a really good football team or playing a team like Montana State, that could have a big impact on the game. So I know we'll be paying close attention to it. Big announcement from Bison Illustrated this week. Oh, yeah. Coming up. I, I almost forgot for some reason. Yeah, I've, I got that here. <laughs> My radio notes ask Nolan about the big announcement. So I'll, I'll just let you break it here. I know uh, Mike Dragosevich. Mentioned it on social media this week, but a, a real special deal coming up during the Illinois State game in the Dome in October. Yeah, October 20th, we have been, Bison Illustrated has been looking to do this. According to Mike, you know, this is, I'm going off what Mike's tails here, but we've been looking to do this for uh, however long the magazine's been in inception or as long as Spotlight is on it, which I think is close to nine years now. But um, we are going, we have been privileged to put every single uh, magazine on every seat in the Fargo Dome. So that is roughly 18 19,000 something like that so we're going to have a full brigade there the the night before and the morning of and we're going to be filling those seats with, with October's edition of Bison Illustrated and of course i expect the good listeners to heard it here with Swanee the first thing they all do to flip to one of those back pages and read the Swanee says you're, you're the last three i got to promote myself yeah, well naturally got to promote myself naturally. it's it's great content folks it's it's great content but i know i'm also working on a story yeah about jeff mckinnon former bison football player battling cancer jason boutwell and all the other guys over the bison football players association lend a hand up dakota medical foundation really helping them out there's a story up on bisonillustrated.com right now so people can go out and watch that, but it's another big weekend of FCS football. Nolan, what are you doing during the bye week now that there's no buys in football? I have no idea. I think for me, you know, I like to keep a good pulse on you know the things that go on in the region. And one game that's really sticking out to me, Swanee, is UND going out to Seattle, Washington, and playing the sixth-ranked team in the country, FBS, the Washington Huskies. 
Obviously, they played Auburn and lost last weekend. But I'm interested to see how UND reacts to, you know, they beat up on Mississippi Valley State, who Bison fans are accustomed to. I think it was 72-7 to was the score last year. But, uh, you know, UND beat up on Mississippi Valley State. I'm interested to see how they react in a huge FBS matchup. This is a huge matchup. I would almost go as far as to say that it's probably the biggest matchup in UND football. Yeah, in, in my opinion, they're they're a huge opponent. Washington, Washington's one of the the top ten teams in the country. Tough this place year. to F- play too. FBS, yeah, and you're going out there playing in Seattle. They're going to get boat raced, and if if you're Bubba Schweigart, you just got to hope you come out of that game healthy with no major injuries. Right, and you know I'm not going to make a prediction or anything of that sort, but I mean I'm just I'm just interested to see how they react because. UND is a team that plays Washington this week, and then they come back to Grand Forks, and they travel to Sam Houston State the next week. So, I I mean, that's a gauntlet of a non-conference if you're UND. And if you're NDSU fans, you might kind of be sitting back and saying, you know, ha-ha, I'm glad we're not playing these two teams, you know, right in a row. Even though though NDSU historically always has Sam Houston's number. I'll I'll be laughing. Well, I won't be laughing about it, but I'll I'll have a big smile on my face Saturday when the outcome of that game comes up. But he's Nolan... P. Schmidt, editor-in-chief of Bison Illustrated Magazine. You can find him on Twitter, at Nolan P. Schmidt. You can check out our weekly podcast on bisonillustrated.com. We're going to take a quick timeout, and we'll be back with the final segment of this week's Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM The Fan and 107.3 FM. I'm loving it. Journey. Chase, you dial it up there, man. I am a, I am a journey head. I, I, I've never stopped believing, in fact. Since, since I think, 1985 in there, I was about three years old, I have not stopped believing since then. True fact, true story. Last week, folks, during our Pick'em segment, our big predictions, I don't want to say, I told you so, but I'm going to say, I told you so. I think NDSU is going to be up at halftime. It's going to be a 28-3 35-0 kind of game, and the Fargo Dome is going to be half full in the second half because NDSU is running away with this thing. At halftime, if we're at 28 or 23, we uh-huh. send the number one offense out there for a couple drives. They put up another touchdown or two, pull back on the playbook, pull back the rain. So I think the end score is going to be something along the lines of 49-7. to I was off by four points, Chase. Close. Four points, Close, man. but no cigar. No, but we'll take it. It played out just like we, we thought it would. Everyone expected a big Bison victory, and I love it. As, as an attorney, we have to build our cases off evidence, and that is Exhibit A, why you tune in Saturday mornings from 8 to 9 on 740 AM, The Fan, and 107.3 FM to herd it here with Swanee because of stuff like that. And it's, it's another busy week of college football today, even though the Bison are playing chase. There's a lot of intriguing matchups across the FCS. There is a lot of fun matchups across the FCS. I think that's always one of the cool things if you're a fan of um, you know, any team in the FCS. When you have a bye week, you can kind of put the feet up, maybe watch some things. I know you mentioned earlier South Dakota State, Montana State. A lot of people will be looking on University of South Dakota. They go up against a big sky team in northern Colorado. And then next week after that, USD goes up against Weber State. So they're going to get a little bit more familiar with the um, – Big Sky Missouri Valley Conference matchup, which I'm a fan of, Swanee. When you have, you know, whether it's the CAA and the Missouri Valley, I think a lot of people want to maybe see that, you know, especially NDSU, JMU fans, or you get a bigger conference playing a bigger conference in the FCS. It kind of feels like the Big 12 playing the Big 10 or the ACC going up against the SEC. Those are matchups that 
fans of those conferences want to see. And those those are key matchups when the selection committee meets in November. They look at those and they they see how the Valley stacked up against other opponents. We know the the Valley's the top right now in my mind the top. But boy, it's a big proven weekend for the Valley because if South Dakota State loses to Montana State, if North Colorado beats South Dakota. Folks are going to start saying, what is wrong with the Valley this year? Despite the fact North Dakota State looks to be in, in top midseason form after the first week. Which then kind of goes into the conference play to say if you have a teams that maybe have three losses or four losses, how much are they on the bubble? You know, University of North Dakota a few years back had a win over Wyoming. They went 7-4 and four because of the quality, quote-unquote, of the big sky. They didn't get in. Um, you've seen teams at six and five in the Missouri Valley because of the quality of the Valley in previous years get in over teams who had maybe four or three losses from the Southland or other conferences. So as you said, Swanee, it is. It is that uh, big time of the year once you get to these matchups because you don't get a lot of non-conference matchups week four, week five, week six into the season. A, a real intriguing game that happened last week, North Alabama goes into to defending Big Sky champ Southern Utah and Cedar City beats them on a last-second touchdown 34-30. to And with Delaware losing to Rhode Island last week, all of a sudden those games are flip-flopped on the Bison schedule where North Alabama looks like a real interesting matchup, whereas with Delaware, some of the shine has rubbed off with them going down to North Island. Their quarterback, this cat named Christian Lopez for the North Alabama Lions, 350 passing yards, 105 rushing yards, three TD passes, and one rushing touchdown in his debut in Cedar City, which is not an easy place to play. That's a dual-threat quarterback if you have it, and that's one of the things for now Chris Kleiman that they can kind of look back and take a look at games coming up with North Alabama, with Delaware, South Dakota State. You know, it was the first, uh, I believe, Swanee conference game of the season, so there's going to be some, I'm sure, coaching eyes looking at that game down in Brookings later tonight, but it makes it a lot of fun coming up, and uh, that's a little bit about what's coming up on FCS Saturday here. Uh, we'll talk Division Three football as the 12th-ranked Wisconsin Whitewater Warhawks go up against the Concordia Cobbers later this afternoon at 1 o'clock. We'll be joined by head football coach of the Cobbers, Terry Horan. So a big D3 matchup coming up later today. Yeah, Coach Horan does does such a nice job. I had a chance during the Bidens spring game to visit with him a little bit. They had a big win last weekend, but it's another big weekend of FCS football, even though North Dakota State is off. For Chase Miller, Nolan Schmidt, Connor Riley, I'm Josh Swanson on Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM, 107.3 FM. You can check out our show page at the fan's website, 740thefan.com. And I'm reminding you that the strength of the herd is the bison, and the strength of the bison is the herd.